listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. came for uh, horror stories you're in you're in the right place this is the frat files podcast my name is eric daw i'm your friendly guitar scientist with over 20 years of experience building and repairing guitars this is a podcast about guitar repair normally however today it is our special halloween episode and it is uh, all guitar horror stories oh yeah maybe just one or two other things peppered in but uh, sitting beside me is my lovely wife and co-host melissa we're going to do some horror stories, some question and answers. I'm going to read them. Eric will answer them. You know the drill. It'll be great. <clears throat> we do have one call, and uh, I always give calls priority, so I don't think it's a horror story per se, you know, but uh, let's do it. Hello, Eric and Melissa. This is Joe from Virginia. I had a question, please. That um, I've got a guitar that has a... One of the frets has a small uh, dent in it. Um, it's horizontal, and you press against it, it makes it buzz just on the 14th fret. So I'm just wondering, is there a way to uh, fix the fret itself without having to refret the guitar or even remove the fret if there's like a, an easy way to patch that up? Okay, thanks again for the podcast. There's a dent in the fret. Is that what he says? I think so. <clears throat> so it's like a one damaged fret. Um, I've done this in the past, but it's not a permanent fix. This is like a fix you do to get you through a gig, right? But you can actually take solder and fill in a ding or, a, or a divot out of a fret, and it'll play for, you know... A few days, maybe a week, I don't know. <laughs> but the solder wears really fast, and you don't want to use lead solder because then you're touching lead. So I, I've used unleaded solder, and, and I've done, but it will stick to your fret, and then you can shape it and smooth it. So if it's like an emergency situation, you can. But in the long term, that's not going to do it for you, man. I'm, I'm afraid if you've got a damaged fret, the only choice is you need to replace it. <clears throat> and if you're not skilled... Uh, in fret work, and you don't want to do it yourself, man. Take it in. You got to take it into a shop, but um, they shouldn't have to refret the whole thing. You know, if you've just got one damaged fret and the rest are okay, yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be a very costly repair. You know, just do one fret. Mm -hmm. It's it's going to be 
you know, maybe 40 bucks or something, depending on the shop you go to. So Right. Cool. Where where a whole refret can be sometimes 400. Right. So. Yeah. Give that a shot. Thanks, my man. Well, this next feller here got fancy and he, he emailed me an audio file. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's what we're going to play now. Here we go. Hey, Eric and Melissa, it's Brandon from the Cornfields of Indiana calling with a guitar horror story for your episode. And the title of this story is Fool Me Twice, Still Shame on You. So about five years ago, when I moved to the Cornfields of Indiana, about an hour from any major city and where, as I mentioned before, reliable guitar scientists are few and far between, I went on the hunt for a new guitar shop to take care of repairs and such, and after some internet research, found a shop that sold a lot of nice vintage American-made guitars, and which seemed to have the reputation of being the place that you take your valuable Martin or Gibson for restoration work. And so uh, I have this inexpensive import acoustic electric that's made by the lore. It's like a $400 Gibson L-style knockoff. And it had a bridge that was lifting and had developed a visible gap along the back edge that you could slip a business card under. And so I drove the two-hour round trip and took it into this shop and discussed with the owner, who was also the quote-unquote master luthier, the process of removing and regluing the bridge. And he explained how this happens sometimes on cheaper imported guitars where the outside edge of the bridge is basically just glued on top of the poly finish. So I left the guitar with them and picked it up about a week later. So this is the second two-hour round trip. And I could see a little glue squeeze out along the back edge where the gap had been. And I thought, oh, it's kind of sloppy, but it played fine. So I paid up and I took it home. A couple days later, um, just kind of ran my thumbnail along that glue bead, which easily flaked off the, the wood glue. And it exposed dun, 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 the same gap that had been there when I took the guitar in in the first place. So apparently they just tried to brush or squeeze some glue into the crack and give it back to me. So I emailed the owner photos and he apologized, explaining that, well, sometimes the new glue joint just fails. And he asked me to bring the guitar back and they'd fix it right this time. And so when I took the guitar back, this is two hour round trip number three, if you're keeping score. Uh, in his face-to-face apology, he chalked it up to a miscommunication within the shop, like, oh, my guy didn't know what we discussed, so he just tried to fix it without removing the bridge. Uh, I thought the glue joint failed. Well, what's going on? I should have known that uh, this was not going to end well. Um, so when he told me it was ready to be picked up the next time, I got a work friend who lived nearer to the shop to pick it up for me and... Uh, I didn't get to inspect it in person, so when I got the guitar back, it was basically unplayable, completely fretting out from about the seventh fret up the neck. I was horrified that they would return a guitar to a customer in this condition. I thought, what have they done to my guitar? How would removing and regluing the bridge totally change the geometry and lower the action? What's going on here? And then I heard something rattling around inside the guitar. Any guesses what that might have been? I looked in the sound hole to see the piezo pickup element flopping around inside the body of the guitar. That's right. Remember, I mentioned it was an acoustic electric. So it turns out they hadn't reinstalled the element under the saddle, so the strings were sitting about an eighth of an inch too low. And I was pretty ticked, but I figured I could take care of this myself and save another two-hour round trip. So I took the strings off, pulled the saddle out, only to find, here's the kicker, that the hole in the saddle slot was glued shut. So 
I was annoyed, but at least I had some assurance that they had actually this time removed and re-glued the bridge. So I re-drilled the hole myself, put the pickup element back in, strung up the guitar, played fine now, and resolved never to patronize the shop again for purchase or repair. And I documented all of these issues with photos and emailed the owner one more time, expressing my disappointment with the whole experience. And his response simply read, Awesome! With two exclamation points. Have a great Christmas. God bless. Classy. So, fellow listeners, choose your guitar shops and your guitar scientists carefully because something sinister may lurk behind the shiny storefront and the impressive inventory. The happy ending to this story is that uh, this experience prompted me to start investing in my own tools and to start to learn to do more DIY guitar work myself, ultimately, I guess, led me to this podcast. So... Thanks. And when I'm out of my depth, I just return to my old stomping grounds in Southwest Ohio and take my guitars to Mark Kaiser, who's an excellent and trustworthy luthier and is well worth the trip. So there's my story. Thanks, guys, for the excellent podcast. Thanks for bringing good things into the world. (laughs) That was a great, that was a good horror story. Yeah, it was. I like that. That was a good one. I mean, it wasn't, they didn't do anything that was like, you know, the end of the world. I mean... Yeah, but, but you just expect better service than yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of sketch for sure. You just expect better service than that. I'm sorry about your uh, unpleasant experience out there in the cornfields of Indiana. Thanks for the call, man. We got some letters, and uh, let's let's uh, let's do some horror stories here. Letters, we get letters. We get stacks and stacks of letters. This first one is not really a horror story. It's the only one that's not, I think, but I got so many, I got so much mail about the last note in the, <laughs> in the final song of the podcast. I got, yeah. I probably got 12 different emails about it. One guy put it through his audio software and checked the actual pitch with a, with tuning software. Wow. And told me it's perfectly in tune. So I, I don't even remember his name. James. James. Uh, I think James was just trying to get my goat. I think. I think maybe. he was just trying to stir me up. And <clears throat> it worked. What can I say? But everyone who wrote in said, James is crazy. That note is perfectly in tune. And this is just an example. Just saying that in my humble opinion, the final note of your outro music for the Fret Files podcast has recently become the greatest single pitch perfect note ever recorded (laughs) in the entire history of popular music. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Good work. What in the hell is wrong with some people, he says. Thanks, as always, for the great work you and Melissa do. My intention is to install your wonderful pickups in my Telecaster this weekend. That's from Mark. Mark bought some pickups from me, so. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Let's do some horror stories here. Hello, Eric and Melissa. Halloween is just around the corner, and hopefully you are doing a horror story episode. Here's one for you. Back in the late 1990s, while studying music at college, I upgraded from an Epiphone Sheraton to a brand new Gibson ES-165 Herb Ellis model. It was the first guitar that I ever spent a lot of money on, and I truly cherished it. I had a weekly gig with a jazz singer at a local Italian restaurant. We did our best Joe Pass Ella Fitzgerald impersonation fairly poorly and got paid with a free meal and tips. 
One night, arriving at the gig, I unloaded my guitar and leaned it against my car. Not paying attention to the slight incline of the parking lot, the guitar, which was in its hard shell, hard shell case, falls and smacks against the pavement. I didn't really think much of it. Really? We go inside, start setting up. I pull my guitar out and notice it is way out of tune. So I start tuning up. Much to my surprise, the strings aren't changing pitch much, but the headstock is moving away from the neck. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, uh, do you want me to swear? Holy cow. Being 20 and not really knowledgeable about guitars, I didn't know how common this was, with mahogany necks. I ran home frantically, grabbed my Epiphone, and finished the gig. Luckily, I was able to send it back to Gibson, and they fixed it for free. Wow, wow really? That's impressive. That is that is impressive. By the way, I still have both guitars. Cheers, Chris uh -huh. from Portland, Oregon. Right on, Chris. Thanks for the horror story, man. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, since I don't really have questions to answer, I think we should do okay. kind of the traditional thing here and take turns reading these. Okay. So your turn. All righty. <clears throat> Hello, Mel and Eric. I don't have a guitar horror story, but plenty of cringe-worthy guitar pickup stories. I think my favorites are two restorations. One was a 1965 Gibson patent number humbucker that someone really violated. The three screws for the EAD strings had been replaced by bigger screws, which meant enlarging the holes in the bobbin and the base plate. The pickup must have been mounted directly onto the body as the mounting holes were also enlarged. All wires had been extended and were dangling loosely from the pickup. The owner also must have liked the look of a zebra humbucker because he painted the slug bobbin with some thick white paint. Unbelievably, the bobbins were still intact. After a lot of work removing the white stuff, refilling the screw holes with black plastic epoxy, redrilling, adding a new foot and thread to the feet without removing the L marks, adding a braided wire lead, etc., it turned out pretty nice and now resides in my personal Telecaster in the neck position. The other one was a 73 Fender Telecaster bridge pickup that was sent to me dead for a rewind, typical corrosion of the slugs that seeped into the coil and shorted the wire. The problem was that, at one point, the previous owner had tried to pot the pickup with epoxy. No. Oh. Try getting that stuff off a vintage pickup while trying to save as much as possible. Yeah, I feel your pain, man. I've done that. There were many more over the years, but these two I remember the best, as both pickups ended up in my possession. Love the podcast, and I'm looking forward to listening to the other horror stories. That's from Sebastian. Cool. Thanks, Sebastian. Thanks, Sebastian. Uh, do do you want to go back? This one is a uh, it's written as a uh, conversation. Should we just yes. read it out as such? <clears throat> well, someone's got very creative here and and done a conversation type out. So let's go back and forth. Okay. Do you want to be the customer? I'll be the customer. Okay. Headline: Frankenstein is repairing headstocks after movie career goes south. Phone call. The the shop is called Love the Arts, by the way. So. Okay. Love the Arts says, hello, Love the Arts. Hey, do you set up, or you do setups, don't you? Yes, we do. Great. I did some repair work on my guitar, but it isn't easy to play, so I'm thinking I need a setup. Bring it on in. See you tomorrow. The next day at the shop. I'm the guy who called yesterday about the setup. Let's see what you got. Opens the case. And it says, see pictures. See pictures. So I'm going to put as the, this is a great picture, as, as the the uh, podcast uh, picture. Uh, I'm gonna as this episode's picture will be the picture he sent me. So uh, you don't get it if you use you know a 
podcast app. But Just if you go, go to, to our f- website, go to fretfiles.com, you'll see the picture that he's talking about. Customer opens the case. Uh, I'm sorry, man. We can't do anything to this that's worth your hard-earned money. Really? Yes, really. Can't you just make it easier to play? Nope. Can you recommend someone better than you that can fix it? <laughs> Which, that's such a great... Are you serious? That's such a great question. Can you re- recommend someone better than you that can fix it? So the fella says, sure. Give my buddy Zach a call. He gave the customer his buddy's number. And Zach, to this day, thanks him for sending the work. All the work that he doesn't want. Musically yours, that's from Philip J. Mancini at Love the Arts. Okay, describe what you saw in this picture. Describe what you saw. Oh, well, it was a broken headstock Mm -hmm. that had been, I don't know if there was any glue in it, about uh, like eight screws holding the headstock together that and and it was like a uh like behind the first you know three or four frets mm-hmm. a big elliptical break that it all had had been just screwed together with what looked like you know just little flat uh wood wood screws with a I, it, I, it's hard to explain. Look at the picture, but it's not a pretty sight. I'll tell you that much. I like that he couldn't. Hey, you do setups, don't you? Yeah. Well, it just needs to be set up. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why it's not playing well. Right. It just needs to be set up. Uh, dear Eric and Melissa, happy Halloween to the whole DAW fam. And thanks, as always, for the truly great podcast. Like many of your listeners, I am very grateful for both of your, you sharing your amazing expertise and perspective on guitar science and life. And I want to thank you sincerely for this effort. I also thoroughly enjoy all the music for the podcast and listen to it all until the very last <laughs> note of your sonorous, cl- note. sonorous note of your closing music. <coughs> These ears say, don't change a thing. The music is perfect. I have some feedback and a new question. Feedback. I was able to fix my Crestwood Customs inlay with some medium thickness CA glue after gently removing the inlay and cleaning it carefully. I clamped it down with a small piece of wood and a capo and did a very light sanding with steel wool and it worked great. So thanks very much for your podcast advice. New question. This may be too late for the Horror Stories episode. Nope. Nope, you're on it. But I have a vintage fender with a truss rod nut issue. Following the protocol of Dan Erlewine, I always remove the truss rod nut completely prior to adjusting my necks to give the nut a very light lubrication prior to tightening. When I was removing the nut from a truly special, all-original, late 1965 fender, it was business as usual with the nut turning and loosening freely and easily until the nut came off, and then it did so with a gentle but present snapping noise as it separated from the truss rod thread. My heart sank hearing this new noise as I have adjusted literally a hundred vintage fenders and have never heard anything like it before. Now for the problem. I can't get the truss rod nut back onto the thread at all. Looking into the truss rod cavity, it looks like the rod is offset slightly from center. It doesn't look obviously stripped, but it's very hard to see. Picture attached. After gently trying to get the nut on without success, I was able to get a different nut onto the rod and tighten the neck back up to normal tension so the truss rod itself is clearly not broken. 
but the nut I was able to get on is quite obviously not original and lacks the hole in the center, which could be an issue if I resell the guitar in the future. Any ideas what is going on? What would you try next in order to get the original nut onto this otherwise completely original instrument? I attached a picture, although it's tough to really tell what's going on. I am assuming the rod is slightly bent, preventing the nut from centering, or the threads are stripped at the end. Help! Thanks again, Frank. <laughs> Frank. <clears throat> yeah, man, that's rough. Well, you know what? Uh, it, it, it sounds to me like you're right. The... Uh, the very end of the rod looks sounds like it's bent, and the picture you sent me, I'm I'm gonna say, yeah, it's bent just a little bit. So bend it back. And here's how I would try doing that. Um, take uh, take you you don't want to use anything that's gonna damage the threads, but if you take maybe a flathead screwdriver and put wrap wrap some leather around the tip, then you can put it in there and just really gently pry the rod back to center, and the leather should protect the wood and the threads. Um, th- you might want to check the threads inside the nut, you know, if it won't go on. But it doesn't sound yeah. like the threads are damaged on the rod because you got a, you got a different nut on there. So I think the rod's okay. Just see if you can center it just with a little bit of light pressure. You know, you have to do that all the time on... Uh, on some guitars, like Rickenbackers, have that problem all the time. the The ends of the truss rods just bend. So yeah, um, try that. C- center the rod with something that's not going to damage it, and uh, go from there. If you still can't get it, you might have to rethread that rod. You know, just run a just run a tap up and down on the threads just to clean up the threads. You it won't be rethreading, but it'll just be cleaning up the threads. And you can you can certainly do that. That that should help. So I don't see any reason why you can't get that original nut back on, man. Maybe is there something stuck in the in the original nut? I mean, I assume you've looked in there and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. But good luck, man. Good you luck, should be able Frank. to do it. Should we take a quick break here? Yep. Okie dokie. We'll be right back. If you're at all curious about my guitar repair services or my custom guitars, you can check out my websites, ericdaw.com, that's more the repair side of things, that's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. I would love to help you with that tricky repair or restoration. You know, maybe you don't have somebody in your area, or maybe you've got a very valuable guitar that you don't want to trust to just anybody. And the guitars that I make are at pinupcustomguitars.com. That's pinup, like pinup girl, P-I-N-U-P. I offer worldwide service uh, on repairs. People send me repairs from all over the country and, uh, well, even internationally. And I definitely send guitars all over the world. So if you're curious about what I do and want to learn more, that's how to check it out. ericdaw.com and pinupcustomguitars.com. Hey, guitar nerds. You probably already know that I make custom leather guitar straps. All of my straps are handcrafted from design all the way to completion. You can see examples of my past work on my Instagram account. That's at MelcoLeather. Visit MelcoLeather.com now to get free shipping on orders of $35 or more within the U.S. That's MelcoLeather.com. M-E-L-C-O Leather.com.
Liz here from Emerald City Guitars, located in the heart of historic Pioneer Square in downtown Seattle, Washington. We are one of the world's premier vintage guitar shops, going strong for over 22 years. Specializing in the most rare, the funkiest, and most collectible vintage and pre-owned electric guitars, acoustic guitars, amplifiers, and more. We cater to anyone and everyone, from the guy next door to collectors and famous rock stars. Not only do we pay top dollar for used gear, we also offer trade-ins and consignment. We also have in-house repair and offer free appraisals. We have a variety of social media accounts that we post our goods daily. Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at EC Guitars. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and see our daily episodes of the featured Guitar Pick of the Day and Reality of Emerald City Guitars shows. Give us a call to chat in person at 206-382-0231 and visit our online store at www.emeraldcityguitars.com. And we're back. I've got one more non-horror story question here. Let's slip this in. By the way, I, I we're skipping a lot of questions. They'll be on next episode. We're, we're just doing horror stories, so if there's a lot of questions that didn't make the show today, they'll be on the next episode, so wait patiently and you'll hear your question. But there's a few that snuck in. Here's one. Hi, Fret Files. We all know and love figured maple for guitar wood, but can you tell us what causes the different kinds of figuring? Flame, quilt, and bird's eye maple are all so beautiful, but I always wondered why some maple does that and others do not. Do you have any knowledge on the subject? And that's from Trevor. Trevor doesn't say where he's from. Uh, yeah, man, I tell you what, I cannot tell you what causes a figure in maple, and no one else really can either. It, nobody's sure. Really? Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, there's a lot of theories, and there's a lot of... um people who think that they know, but there's no consensus on the subject, and the big proof of that to me is that flame, tiger, quilt, bird's eye maple, all sell for a premium. So if they knew what caused it, they could reproduce it, right? Like, if it's a certain insect, or soil condition, or environmental condition, or a virus, or bacteria, or fungus, or something, you know, that they just don't know. Right. <clears throat> um, the best theory I've heard on flame is that it's uh, st stress and, and compression in the in the figure, in the wood, in the grain. Yeah. But nobody's really sure, especially on bird's eye. Uh, nobody's, they're, they're not sure what causes that, if it's an insect or... And here's the other thing. It's almost impossible to tell from the outside of the tree what you got inside. So you have to harvest it before you yeah. find out? Interesting. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah, so nobody can really tell you, uh, as far as I know, you know, if, if somebody out there knows differently, let me know. But uh, to my knowledge, nobody's sure. Thanks, Trevor. Horror story for you. A customer brought in a guitar for repair in my repair shop, and when I opened the case, an angry wasp flew right out of the case and stung me right on the hand. We were both completely shocked, but things got worse when my whole arm started to swell up about an hour later and I was rushed to the emergency room for a checkup. I didn't want to start having an allergic reaction that got out of control. Wow. Turns out that I was okay, but it was scary and you just never know what's hanging around in guitar cases. Wow. That's from Tim in North Carolina. Wow, Tim. That's wild, man. That is wild. <laughs> that is wild. 
Do you remember my cockroach guitar horror story? Yeah, yes. Will you retell that one? Uh, I don't really. It's been so long, but just a guy that he's a pretty crusty old guy. He brought in a guitar once, and and uh, I, I don't think I was there when he dropped it off. Mm-hmm. So, um, I went and opened the case later, and cockroaches just scattered. <laughs> yeah, they were all over the guitar, and then they just scattered and like went in the f holes and down around the sides of the guitar and everything. I'd never slammed a guitar sh- case <laughs> shut faster in my life. Like, boom, okay, uh, call this guy. Yeah. That's an awkward phone call. Hey, your guitar is filled with cockroaches. Paul, <clears throat> I'm sorry to tell you this, Paul, but uh, <laughs> there's an infestation of cockroaches in your guitar, and I won't work on it. Yeah. <laughs> I this, do. This is out of the scope of my expertise. I fix many things. You're going to need to take this to some pest control expert. <laughs> Yeah, anyhow. Hey, uh, that's all we've got for horror stories, but I went back and culled some of my favorites from previous episodes, and we're going we're gonna to redo those. Okay. You want to go first? Uh, sure. I went to get a new bone nut and new tuners on my one-month-old Gibson SG-61 reissue. Four weeks later, I got it back with a quarter-sized dent on the back of the neck near the fifth fret. The bone nut was cut like a five-year-old did it and it had major fret noise from the 10th fret up. I complained about the dent. It took three weeks to get it back. It looks and feels fine now, but the fret noise and bad nut, well, they blew me off on that and said, hey, you're lucky we fixed your neck. Jeez. This is a store, this is from a store that I spent thousands of dollars at for five plus years. Wow, man. How do these people stay in business? That is just unreal. I found an authorized Gibson repair guy who in two seconds saw the bad nut. He called his friend at Gibson, and they took care of the nut and fretwork on Gibson's dime. Wow, second time. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm impressed at Gibson's customer service. Yeah, man. I was really surprised Gibson covered the nut replacement, and for that I will always deal with Joe from Joe's Guitars in New Jersey. That's from Noah in New York. Shout out to Joe. Thanks, Noah. In the 90s, I was a tech. I think I was pretty good, and I never had any complaints. Well, except one guy. This customer brought me an old Guild acoustic with the headstock snapped off. I gave him two quotes, one for structural without finish repairs and one with. He took the cheaper. I fixed it and called him within three days. Wow, that's fast. He was very happy. Plays great, he says, and I threw in a setup for free. Three, day later, three days later, he came in the door holding the headstock in one hand and the body in another, accusing me of dodgy repair. <laughs> That's not good. I looked at it and show him where my repair held and he had a new break. He refused to look at it and insisted that it was my fault. The owner finally had to come out and settle the situation. It was obvious he had dropped it again and he eventually confessed and bought a new guitar stand that locked the neck in so it wouldn't fall. I did fix it again, by, but by this time it was getting pretty ugly. That's from Buddy in Albany. Wow. I had a respected local luthier put a new brass nut on a strat many years ago. I went to collect it only to find the roughest, half-finished job you've ever seen. I could have done better with a chisel. No idea why he couldn't be bothered to make a nice job of it, but I did notice he was filling in his time making wooden jigsaw puzzles for the tourists, so maybe the guitar business wasn't going so well. (laughs) (laughs) That's from Molly in New Zealand. Yeah, you gotta watch out for... uh, 
part time uh, part timers, p- puzzle makers, and part time luthiers. Mm-hmm. <coughs> hey there, horror story for you. So I got a phone call from somebody some months ago saying he wants to bring in a heritage arch top that he stepped on in a friend's studio. The headstock was broken off and it was a semi-complex break because of the pretty substantial headstock veneer that decided to break off in different places than the main wood. I was able to fix it, however, and it looked like nothing had ever happened. Last week, I get a call from the owner of that guitar. He asks me if I remember that heritage I fixed for him. Yes, I reply. Well, he says a friend of mine accidentally got the guitar in the way of a car door he tried to slam shut, and the headstock broke off again, right about where you fixed it before. What are the odds? I told him to bring it in, and I hope the break is not too complex so the repair won't give me nightmares. Wow. I feel like some guitars are cursed. I know, right? Like, that that's just, I mean, getting stepped on and then slammed in a car door. Somebody somewhere doesn't want that guitar <laughs> to exist. Uh, it's pretty rough, isn't it? Uh, those are, these are, I always love the horror stories. Well, that does it for this episode. We'll, uh, get back to normal with all your questions on the next episode. And, uh, if you want to participate, I would highly recommend it. We can't do the show if you don't, so send in your questions or comments. Go to ericdaw.com, click the contact link, and send in your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. And uh, we'll use it on the show. Thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Happy Halloween.